We were the Bulldogs. That was the mascot, and it was the start of my senior season, and they needed a new mascot. And they said, Brian, do you want to be the mascot? And I'm like, not really. They're like, would you try it for one game? And so there I was in the heat of August in a bulldog costume, just sweating bullets. It was miserably hot, just sweating. I'm waving at all the kids, doing the mascot things, taunting the other team, running down the field. Security stopped me a couple times from going over to the other side. Uh, they it would have been fun, uh, but they, they didn't want that. They didn't want that to happen. And all of a sudden, there was this, this little kid that came over, and he was trying to pull the mascot tail, and he, he tried to kick me, and, and that was the line. I was, I was not yet 18, so it wouldn't have been a felony, and I'm just like, you know. What, the nice thing about the, the mascot costume was it had a really big head, and then the wingspan was pretty good, and so I waited until somebody yelled, hey, bulldog, and there was that little snot-nosed kid who just kicked me, and I turned around and knocked him right in the back of the head. It was a wonderful thing. He fell on the bleachers. It was beautiful. Uh, ran down. Yeah, I, I bullied him. I don't care. It was good for him. Uh, ran down, you know, did the whole mascot thing, took the, took the head off when the game was over, lost 10 pounds just in sweat of how like hot it was and disgusting and and they said hey would you would you do this all the time and I said no never again it was a miserable experience I wanted to hang out with my friends I wanted to have fun at the game I didn't want to I didn't want to run around and, and do all that so I'm like no and then on Monday we were in the lunchroom and I, I got my lunch and it was Otis Spunkmeyer cookie day, which was always just the best. You could buy three little bites of heaven for an extra dollar. It came with a chili. It was just, if you've never had fresh Otis Spunkmeyer cookies, you maybe you'll have them in heaven because I'm telling you, they were little bites of just heavenly goodness. And I got those cookies on the tray, and I'm walking over to just sit down at a table, and all of a sudden, one of the prettiest cheerleaders calls me over, and it was just this table of 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 cheerleaders sitting there and they're like come sit with us and I'm like (laughs) don't mind if I do and so I sat down because I was in I was the mascot and so I I was I was part of in their mind the cheer squad I was not complaining about my seat location and then another guy walked over and tried to sit at the table and one of the cheerleaders stopped him said I'm sorry this is only for cheerleaders and I'm like Little do you know, I told him I'm never mascotting again in my life, but I am sitting right here today, and I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. You know, in life, we move beyond that phase, hopefully. Hopefully in life, when we get out of middle school or high school, you know, the you can't sit with me is over. We move beyond that. But, but sometimes we find these exclusive clubs. Sometimes we find these, these scenarios where, where either we are welcome and other people aren't welcome, or we find a scenario where we aren't welcome. And the reason that we're not welcome is because we don't have a, a certain qualification or we're not part of the group. And, and sometimes it's just, okay, well, I didn't really want to be part of that anyways. But sometimes in life that can be offensive. And that can hurt, and it can be like, well, why, why not me? Why can't I be part of it as well? Why can't I be part of what's going on? And as we continue our look at the book of Acts and we look at the early church, we have to really understand just 
just the magnitude of what we have seen start to unfold here in the first part of Acts chapter 10. As, as the message of the gospel has spread, the hope of Jesus has spread, it's spread throughout the city of Jerusalem, it's now spread across the different regions, but recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the fulfillment of prophecy of, of the Old Testament, and in Christ, when Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again, he made salvation available to anyone and everyone who would place their faith and trust in Christ. But as we saw last week, when we saw God gave Peter a vision of all, of all these different animals being lowered down to the, to the earth on a sheet from heaven, and he gave him the vision numerous times, the reason Peter struggled with that so much is his entire life up to this point. He's been told, don't eat bacon, don't eat bacon, don't eat bacon. You can't have shrimp either, but don't eat bacon. A cheeseburger, it's also out. And the reason that all of those things are out are because because of the dietary laws and restrictions that were established in the establishment of the law, and as we talked about last week, they were recorded for us in Leviticus, uh, Leviticus chapter 11. But his entire life, Peter has been told, abstain, abstain, abstain from these things. And the reason for that was not just health, but the reason for that was so that the Jewish people would be set apart. They would be set apart. And there were, there were differences in how they would conduct their lives with how other people would conduct their lives. And now all of a sudden, God gives Peter a vision, and he's telling Peter, all of these things which, you have, which you've grown up abstaining from, they are all permissible to you now. And Peter really struggled with that. And then, as he's processing through that, an angel appears, and Cornelius, who is, who is a, a Gentile, a follower of Jesus, a Gentile, he, he has an audience with also an angel. And the angel appears to him, and the angel says, go send for Peter, and Peter's going to come back to you. And of course, Cornelius knows everything that God has accomplished through Peter. Peter arrives, Cornelius falls down and starts worshiping Peter because of everything that Peter has done. And Peter stops him and says, hey, you don't worship me. You don't worship me. You worship God. And that's where we left off last week, and that's where we're going to pick up today. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in Acts uh, chapter 10. I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can find in whatever app store you utilize. Once it's installed on your device, there are a number of great features within that app. But one of the features that we use weekly here at Lakeside is, is called the events feature. And there you can either enable your locations or just type in Lakeside Community Church Algoma It'll pop up. You can follow along with us that way. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're going to continue our look at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 27 and work our way through the, through the chapter this morning. If you're joining us via the stream, thanks so much for joining us. My name is Brian. I'm part of the team here at Lakeside. The verses will be available for you on the screen below as we look today and we recognize that the gospel, what Jesus has accomplished, defeats division. It defeats division, and the hope of Jesus is available to any and all who would place their faith and trust in him. Acts chapter 10, verse 27, we begin this morning as we read these words. 
And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. Let's stop right there. So again, what's going on here is Peter has now arrived where Cornelius is, and they are having the meeting. That's, that's being described for us in Acts 10, 27. That's a continuation of what we saw last week in the first part of Acts chapter 10. And he said to them, you yourselves, Peter said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. So Peter is having this audience with Cornelius, and the first thing he does is he clarifies the moment. He wants to make sure that everybody's understanding exactly what's going on. And so that's exactly what he does. He says, you know, you know how unlawful this is for me. You know I'm not supposed to be here. You know the differences. You know that I'm Jewish. You're a Gentile. We're not supposed to have this relationship. We're not supposed to have this audience. I'm not supposed to be seen here. You're not supposed to be hosting me. And we, we've looked back at, in times of our own history as a nation. We've looked back in times of history where, where there, have been these, there have been these segregation things. There have been these ideas of you can't associate with this person or with this race or with this gender. or You, you name it. You name it. And Peter's saying, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here right now, but God revealed to me, but God revealed to me that ultimately what matters more than our race is who we are as individuals. So that God has shown me that I should not call anyone common or unclean. And he conveys this message. That in this moment, all, all the differences that they possess, and there are differences that they possess, but they aren't at the forefront anymore. And the reason they're not at the forefront anymore is ultimately the gospel of Jesus. And the same thing transcends past this meeting, and it transcends into every area of our lives. That the hope of Jesus, it's available to everyone. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who was called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter spends some time defining the moment, and now Cornelius conveys what he saw. And he reviews the fact that he was praying one day, and he had a vision, and the vision was from God. And, and, and God sent an angel and said, go and get Peter. And so he sent, he sent a group down to go and get Peter. And 
This is what's going on. This is what's going on. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Cornelius follows through with what God had commanded him to do, and notice he has an expectation. He has an expectation that God is going to continue to work, that God did not call him to do this in vain, that God has a purpose, and he has a plan. And Cornelius was faithful in following God's purpose and faithful in following God's plan. But notice, he has the expectation here that God is going to continue to work, but he's uncertain of how. And he's uncertain of what's to come. And sometimes in life, we just have to step out in faith when God calls us to do something. And we step out in faith when God calls us to do something. And we can expect God to do things. But God doesn't always give us all the answers. And sometimes God doesn't give us very many. And the question that we have to wrestle with and the question that we have to answer is in those moments, in those times, when God doesn't give us the conclusion, are we still willing to do what God has called us to do? Cornelius is praying, an angel appears, says, go get Peter. He sends, the, he sends the attendants down to go get Peter. Peter is wrestling with these visions that God has given him. In the midst of all of this uncertainty, we have this meeting between a Jew and a Gentile who are uncertain of all that's going to happen, but are certain of this, that God has called them to this meeting. And the challenge for us is when God calls us to act and God calls us to move and we do not have all the answers and we do not have all the solutions to still act and still move and still be obedient and still be faithful in the ways that God has called us. And we get to verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. God is open to saving all. God is open to saving all. That if anyone would place their faith and their trust in Christ, they can be saved. They can experience hope. This is the great unifier right here. This is the solution to racism right here. And we can try every other, we can try every other program, we can try every other policy, you name it. But at the root of racism is, is sin. It's the root of every problem. And this understanding right here that God shows no partiality and that the hope of Jesus is available to people that look like us and people that don't look like us and people that come from the same places as we do and people that come from places far away from where we come from. The hope of Jesus is available to all. And 
so as that's the case. As people that love and follow Jesus, racism has no part, no part in our mindset, no part in how we conduct our lives. That we see people as God created them. That we see people and we can appreciate the differences. We don't have to pretend, oh, God didn't create any difference. No, we can, we can appreciate the way that God has created us differently. And we recognize that everyone, everyone has value and everyone has worth and everyone is loved by God and the hope of Jesus is available to all. So we have, to, we have to look at our own hearts. We have to look at our own actions and just ask, do the, do the way I live my life, does that proclaim that message? Does that proclaim that hope? Because as somebody who loves and follows Jesus, my obligation and my responsibility is to proclaim that hope is to wear the message of Christ everywhere I go. And the hope of Jesus is available to all. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now Peter starts going over the ministry of Christ. He starts going over the ministry of Christ. How Jesus is God, how he came to this world, how, how, he, was, how he was established in ministry when John baptized him, and the whole scene where God calls down from heaven, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, and then he goes to Galilee, he starts proclaiming the hope, he starts proclaiming the message, starts proclaiming the fact that God, that God loves people, and God forgives people, and God redeems people, and God God is not the way that many of the religious people in that day thought God operated, but he was radically different, and he would heal people, he would help people. He, he came across people who were oppressed, came across people who were possessed, and he healed them of that possession. And it was an incredible, incredible season of ministry. He goes on, and we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So, after he establishes the ministry that Jesus did, 
He goes and he talks about his work, his work of his crucifixion, his work of redemption, as Christ was delivered to the cross, and he died on the cross for our sins. Because the penalty for our sin is death. So God put that penalty on his son, Jesus. And three days later, he rose again. He rose again. And Peter says, and I was one of the witnesses to that. I was one of the witnesses to his resurrection. And we ate together and we drank together after he rose from the dead. And we know from from 1 Corinthians, it wasn't just Peter. It wasn't just the 11 remaining disciples. No, there were over 500 witnesses. Over 500 witnesses who all saw and interacted with the resurrected Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that. That here is the work of God. And then what? And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to do what? To judge the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness. And I don't know what brings you in here today, but if you're in a place where you've never fully given your life to God, and you've never fully decided to follow after Jesus. And there is this, there's this longing and there's this wrestling and, and there's this back and forth that you can't fully explain that's going on in your life. There's this restlessness and there's this desire to experience something more and to experience something greater. I would just invite you to understand the battle of your soul. The part of yourself that you don't see but you know is there. The immaterial aspect but that is very much a part of you. And the part that knows. Even when you try to convince it, it doesn't. The part of you that knows about the mistakes. About those regrets. about those things that you still carry even though they were years, maybe decades ago. Those things that haunt you when you wake up in the middle of the night. That pull that you feel taking you back to a place that you know is destructive and you know that damages you also know is exciting that promises a thrill that promises satisfaction and that turmoil that you experience inside if that's true of you I would just invite you to once and for all experience the forgiveness of God 
to recognize that there is no way that you can repay for all of the mistakes. There is no way that you can make up for, for all of those things. And for you to recognize that that longing which is calling you to continue to pursue these things and calling you to continue to do the very things that ultimately make you miserable and ultimately don't lead to satisfaction even though they promise to satisfy and they might for a moment, but an hour later you know. There's an emptiness all over again. The only thing that will fill that void is ultimately a relationship with your Creator. And the path to that is through the forgiveness of Christ. to experience once and for all the peace that comes over you when you recognize I can't repay all of my mistakes. I can't do anything about all of the ways I have massively screwed up. Because that debt is more than I could ever repay. But I don't have to repay it. And the reason I don't have to repay it is because it's already been paid on my behalf. And for you to embrace that and accept it once and for all, and then for you to live in that forgiveness, for you to live in that grace, that grace which is available to every single person who has ever walked the face of this earth, Through the work of the one man, the God-man, who was fully divine and fully human, and Christ, who was crucified so that we could experience this forgiveness. And while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So all who gave their lives to Christ, all who made the decision in that moment to accept that forgiveness, to receive the hope of Jesus, they now have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells them. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So God shows up in a powerful way and everybody there all the gentiles who are there who've placed their faith and trust in christ they're now saved through what jesus has accomplished on their behalf they're given the same gift that the jewish believers who were there had and the jewish believers are there they're looking at this and they're shocked i thought god was just doing something special for us giving this to the gentiles too 
He's giving the Gentiles the gift of Himself as well. They can't believe it. They can't believe what they're seeing. And Peter looks at this and he says, Can anybody keep them from being baptized? They should be baptized too. They're now followers of Jesus. They've made the decision to place their faith and trust in what Christ has accomplished on their behalf. And this is yet another example that we see in Scripture where we're Baptism, and this is a, a constant theme throughout the New Testament that we're going to see, especially as Acts continues, that baptism follows salvation. It's, it's why, we, why we do it here that way, where we wait until people place their faith and trust in Christ, and, and then we baptize them, and it's a picture. It's a picture both of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus. It's also a picture of, of the process, the spiritual process that that we can't see, that God does within our lives when we, ex- when we accept and embrace His forgiveness. The, the Scripture tells us if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so the, the reason that we baptize, it's, it's called immersion. What that means is we're just going to dunk you all the way under the water. The, the reason that we do that is, one, it's the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But it's also a picture of the transformation that God has made in our hearts and in our lives as well. That when we get in that water, it, it signifies our old life. And when we go under the water, it signifies the new nature that God has given us. Because what happens when we experience and embrace the forgiveness that Christ offers us through his work on the cross and his resurrection is we don't just feel the weight lifted because he's forgiven us, which he has. But we also feel the weight lifted because he gives us a new nature. And this is all very, it, it's, it's in the spiritual realm, and, and so we can't really see it. But if you've known somebody and you've walked beside them for a long time, and you saw their life before they followed Jesus, and then you see their life after they follow Jesus, if, if, if they've truly given their faith, if they've truly given their life to Christ, then there's a difference in who they are. And that doesn't mean that they're always going to get it right. It doesn't mean that they're always going to be perfect. But it does mean there's going to be a change. And you're going to know it, and you're going to see it. And we're all people in process. So some people, you see it more than other people. And some people, you're like, yeah. Look at how God's worked in their life. And in other people, you're like, God's got a lot of work to do there. But, you know, baby steps. We're seeing it. Peter sees this. Just days before. He he wouldn't have had this conversation. Just days before, he wouldn't have had this encounter. 
When God lowered the sheet in the vision in the first part of Acts 10, remember what we're told, what, what Luke tells us. That Peter wrestled with God about this numerous times. That's how ingrained his feelings were. That's how ingrained his upbringing was. His legacy. But God calls him to something else. Verse 48 tells us, And he, Peter, commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. Peter sees what God has done. He sees the transformation that has happened in their lives, and he says they need to be baptized. And so they are. They are baptized. And then they asked him to remain for some days. As people that love and follow Jesus, this is our hope. This is what energizes us. This is exciting because what we see here is lives transformed. We see transformation. And we see that a week earlier, Peter wouldn't have been willing to go. And I wonder what is God calling us to do? Individually. Collectively. Where is God calling us to go? What is God calling us to do? And are we willing? Are we really willing? But what if it isn't safe? And what if it causes us to be inconvenienced? And what if we don't have all the answers? Are we really willing to go? And that answer, for those of us that love and follow Jesus, it has to be yes. And the reason that it has to be yes isn't because God's in heaven and, and we know God's omnipresent, so he's just as much here. And it's, it's not like, well, I've, I've called Brian and I've called Lakeside to go do this and they're not going to do it, so I guess it's not going to be done. Oh, no. God's not worried about that. God wants something to happen. It's going to happen. But imagine the blessing. Imagine if Peter doesn't go to Cornelius. And I wonder, are we allowing opportunities for God to use us in really powerful and really mighty ways? To go by the wayside. Because it's uncomfortable. Because we've never done it before. Because we don't know how. What we see here is that when God calls us to something, 
He'll figure it out. And we just have to be willing to put all of our preconceived notions aside and be willing to go where God calls us to go. And as people that love and follow Jesus, our responsibility is that wherever God calls us to go and whatever God calls us to do, we choose to be faithful. Because we have an incredible opportunity and an incredible privilege to take the hope and the message of Christ's sacrifice and share that hope and share that message. And if you have never experienced the forgiveness and the grace and the transformation that comes from following Jesus, then I would invite you today to once and for all give your life to God. In a couple minutes, we're going to take communion. And I'd invite you, if you've given your life to Christ, to join us in that process. We do have some gluten-free elements available back at, the, back at the booth. If that's a sensitivity for you, just make your way back there and you'll be able to, to get a, a gluten-free element there. But if you've given your life to Christ, I would invite you to, to take part in this as we remember the sacrifice. We remember what God has done on our behalf. To analyze our lives and to really wrestle with the question, God, what are you calling me to do? And where are you calling me to go? And how are you calling me to serve? And what's standing in my way? God, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you for our redemption. Thank you for the work of your son, Jesus. I pray for those that are here watching online that have never experienced the forgiveness and never experienced the grace that you offer. Who are stuck. Stuck in a cycle of defeat. Stuck in a cycle of their own destruction. Trying to do enough to, to erase all of their mistakes only to discover there's no way they can. pray God today would be the day that they experience forgiveness and they find grace. As they look to you and your son Jesus. And I pray in the quietness of their hearts, even right now, God, they would just give their lives to you. By repeating this back, God, I need you. pray that you would forgive me for my mistakes. pray that you would forgive me for my sins. 
want to follow after you. I know your son Jesus came to set me free. He paid the price for my sin. That he died on the cross and rose again. So God help me live for him. I pray God for those that have made that decision today or made that decision a long time ago. pray we all individually and collectively would go where you call us to go and do what you call us to do even when we don't have all the answers God that you would work powerfully through us for your glory We remember your sacrifice now, Jesus. Guide our hearts. Direct us. In your name we pray. Amen.